Hello, mate. Hassan, how you doing? Good. What an episode today. I um, I really um, thought twice about uh, bringing in the the topic that we talked about today, which is around black fishing, because um, it's uncomfortable, but it it's very topical um, and it was needed. Um, what do you think of the conversation? I think it was good. Uh, I think it was difficult, really difficult at times, and I felt very uncomfortable, and that's why I love it. Great conversation. I feel like I learned a lot, actually. Um, brought my ignorance and left with some some knowledge. So that's good. Uh, and then we moved on to the conversation around Mental Health Awareness Day um, and how that looked that this, this year. And I think that was another uh, really needed and uh, powerful conversation. And we both had to channel our Sisu during the conversation, right? We both had to channel our Sisu. That was probably the best part of the conversation for me. And uh, if people want to understand what that means, then they'll have to listen to the end, Hass. And once they finish listening to the end, what should they do? Go and follow us on at 115 miles pod or listen to us on iTunes or Spotify and leave us a review. Leave us a review. Yeah. They, if they get to the end task, they'll already be listening to us on Spotify or iTunes <laughs> so they can come and enjoy the podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode and we'll see you very soon. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Growing up 115 miles apart, our lives couldn't have been more different, but we find ourselves today with many similarities and outlooks upon life. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture, and everything in between. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of 115 Miles. Josh, what are you grateful for this morning? What am I grateful for this morning? We're jumping straight in. Uh, I'm not grateful to be back on Zoom. I'll say that for off the, off the bat. What, you mean me and you being on Zoom? Or yeah. Just, just yeah, because we're... In general, we're, you're Zoomed out. Uh, no, just me and you being on Zoom because of how good it was in the studio. Um, but you let the side down, so that's fine. Um what am I, I don't gr- care much for your uh, makeup today either, if I'm honest. Did did you put some makeup on? No makeup on today, mate. Just, oh, that's, uh, that's why you look horrendous. Just pure unadultery adult beauty. Uh, no, hashtag no filter. Uh, what am I grateful hashtag for? Hashtag need a filter. I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for my good looks. <laughs> I'm grateful for your good looks. I don't know, mate. What do you want me to do? The only thing I can think of is what I was going to use as my reasons to be cheerful. So what I are you just, trying to... Yeah, I just wanted to mess you up a little bit. No, Th- okay. I'm going to give you five seconds to think about something that isn't reasons to be cheerful. All what right. What are you grateful for? Um, I am grateful for... Uh, um, I don't know, mate. What are you grateful for? Give me a little bit. <laughs> That's a good way of stalling. <laughs> I'm grateful for um, uh, I'm grateful for uh, the fact that we're sitting here on Zoom and I don't have to be in the same room as you because uh, <laughs> of the way you smell. <laughs> now I just do you know I was I was um, I've been reading up about gratitude and um, and the importance of practicing gra- gratitude on a daily basis and I just don't do it. I, I read about it. I talk about it. I know the value of it. I know the. Um, uh, you know, the positive benefit of, of doing some gratitude every day. So I was just 
wondered what yours was. I'm grateful for um, for family. And I know that's kind of uh, like a bit like, oh, that's, you know, anyone would say that. But I think I'm really, um, I've started talking about it on the last um, episode. I, I'm realising, um, you know, how important it is to spend time being present with family and somebody like myself who um, tries to keep busy and, and kind of gives a lot to other people through coaching and through um, the work that I do, um, I just realised that uh, it's as important, if not more important, I would say, you know, to, to bring that in, into the, you know, into the family space. So just grateful for family. Yeah, look, that was the thing that kept coming into my head was to say my kids, but I just feel like I say that every time we do that kind of question on here. Um, I have a slightly, like a, a caveat to what you said about gratitude. I think the gratitude thing gets oversold um, as being a bit of a sticky plaster and a bit of almost falls into the toxic positivity category if we're not careful. Um, I, think yeah, it's good, I, I think it's good to practice gratitude yeah. when when there's something to be grateful for, when you feel when you feel in that space to really lean into it. But I think it's just as important to practice being ungrateful if you if you don't feel grateful yeah but i think um just gratitude is an important part of um positive psychology mm. and I, I think you're right everything should not be overdone mm. uh to the to the point where it becomes a plaster but i think um taking a moment and stopping what you uh, and, and thinking about what you appreciate and what you value and what you're grateful for, um, it doesn't come naturally to a lot of people because, mm. particularly as we go through uh, the kind of times we've been going through and the challenges, and we often focus on the things we need to fix or the things we aren't doing. And so sometimes it's just really important, I think, to just get a bit of balance. But you can't do it in isolation with as with anything. You can't do um, just one kind of fitness you can't just do physical fitness without doing mental fitness you know you can't just yeah. do physical health without mental health so I think it isn't just about it being um, no in isolation it's just about doing it mm. I think you're struggling with doing just physical fitness on itself at the moment but that's another that's another story that we won't go into uh, we won't no, go into we, the, we won't go, in. no, we won't go into go the Peloton you, clothes you, you, horse. No, can I just quickly no. before, before we go there? No. I just want to quickly uh, have my input on what you've just said. There, like I do think it's really important. By the way, I think it's important to um, call it gratitude. I, I, I think I would almost just say to make sure that we focus on what matters. Sometimes I think me and you had a conversation on the phone, not on the podcast, like uh, recently. Uh, and I was saying about how sometimes I have to say to myself, do you know what? I don't feel like I've got time to go and to do the school run and walk the kids to school or pick them up from school today. I don't feel like I've got time. But I also don't feel like I had time to do some of the scrolling that I've done on my phone today. So sod it, I'm going to go and pick the kids up and I'll find a way to make everything else work. And um, that's like really important to me to remember that if I can't go and do that, then what's the point in doing what I'm doing, right? Because one of the reasons I do what I do is to have that flexibility. And sometimes actually you just forget that. So yeah, just remembering what matters, um, I think is really, really important. Yeah, and I, I guess that comes from that kind of practice of gratitude that you talked about. 
Anyway, should we talk about the Peloton and the close horse or not? Is that where you want to go next? <laughs> I do want to talk about that because you, out, you outed me on the airwaves. Um, uh, so let me just... Uh, Josh just casually brings in, in jokes and then doesn't really do the explainer. So I'm going to explain. I don't think... It, I, I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. I don't everyone, think it needs explaining. Everyone but, doesn't but, know but, what we're talking but about. Go on, but you have your But you used exercise bike and clothes horse so people can probably make the assumption that I haven't been doing my exercise and in a moment of vulnerability I shared that with you Josh and <laughs> you decided to make light of it and make a no, joke no I didn't actually I've had a bit of a bloke yes you did no no I didn't at you, the time that's how you no, get your kicks on this show no 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 no, no. I'm making light of it now and taking the piss out of you now on this show but that's not what I did in the moment in the moment you said to me um uh, I'm not using it, and then you said, "Here's why," and you gave me a load of feeble excuses. Yeah, and but I, but and I wasn't making light. That. I was just saying they're feeble excuses. Oh no, now now I am making light of it. Yeah. Sorry, has gone. Shoot. But let's let's make a serious point now. Uh, yeah, I feel a bit blocked around it. Like yeah. I know, I know, I need to do it, and I've been putting busyness as a reason to not do it, or the fact that you know routine's been thrown out, um, and I've been you know, uh, you know, talking about little steps and stuff, but I just, it's, it just still doesn't happen. What, what, what should people do when they're feeling a bit blocked? Do you reckon? Uh, it's the, it's probably been said a million times, but it's that you've just got to get back on the horse. I think sometimes you, you just got to get back on the clothes horse. <laughs> you just got to get back on the peloton clothes horse. No. Um, but I do think, I think what happens a lot of the time, right, is that you feel like you got so far down the path on that journey and everything was going well. And then you fall off and you take ages to get back on. And it just, it's the, it's the having to spend a few weeks feeling like you're getting back to where you were. Do you know what I mean? I think that sometimes can be the block. What I would say is I'm very lucky in that, um, I say very lucky, but in this sense of what we're talking about here, if I don't exercise in the morning for two or three days, I fall to bits. I have all too much energy. I feel overwhelmed. I feel really, really anxious. So, like, I'm sort of almost forced to do it. Like, I don't really have much of a choice. And I only, I'll only go a couple of days without doing it. And then I'm back in it because it has such an impact on me. So in that mm. sense, I'm lucky. So my advice would be go and get yourself a huge dose of anxiety and overwhelm and you won't have a choice but to exercise in the morning. <laughs> Uh, That's what I've been doing wrong all this time. <laughs> I've just been really good at managing, uh, suppressing my anxiety and uh, rage. Yeah. And so I sort of, you know, people often ask me this kind of, these kind of questions about like, how do you get in it? How do you stay focused on, so focused on doing it? And in a lot of ways, if I'm really honest, the answer is closer to that answer that I just gave and more about that than it is about any kind of tips or tricks that I could give you. But what I would say is that with that, what comes in that is that I don't I don't focus on fitness goals or anything like that at all now. I focus on that 45-minute space that I have to get out of my head and expend it just some energy. Is that the right word? It's not the right word, but we know what you, you mean. You know what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's, why it, that's why it works for me and that's what I do. So, yeah. Yeah, I but think the, um, a first think, step would be to take the clothes off it. 
Get the, get there's the, no stop, clothes on stop it. Stop drawing the clothes. There's no clothes on it. <laughs> it's winter though, mate. You know, and plus gas. You know, energy prices are really high. You can't put the heating on. You got to dry the clothes somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Anyway, moving on um, uh, from that as swiftly as possible. Jesse Nelson. Jesse Nelson. Right, you're throwing names at me again. I, should I should know who this is? <laughs> Jesse Nelson, formerly of Little Mix, has recently come out with a song called Boys. Does this mean anything to you? Only that uh, f- there's some dude on Instagram who's, I think he's like a TikTok legend. And I, right. I uh, saw that he was saying something about Little Mix. But I haven't seen anything about it. Okay, I did so Google. I did, interest- I did Google it yesterday. Interesting yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So Jesse Nelson is a former band member of Little Mix. Mm. She left a little while ago, came up with her first song. How's it going? Video called Boys. Yeah, it's 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 um. She sampled Bad Boys for Life. You know the Diddy song. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Even Diddy's in the video. I wanted to watch the video because because of, cause of um, what I'm about to talk about. So she's been accused of blackfishing. Have mm. you ever heard of the term blackfishing? Because I have, yeah, and I did. So after that, I see this stuff yesterday. I did Google it as well. Yeah, so I see that she's been accused of that. Yeah. Yeah. What do you? What is blackfishing? When uh, a sort of when a white person tries to take themselves off as being mixed race or black, yeah, black. yeah, like when they try to appear black or of black heritage. So she's been accused of that. So I just went on a bit of a um, a bit of a kind of uh, a researching kind of mm-hmm. rabbit hole, mm-hmm. and uh, same names keep coming up um, outside of Jesse Nelson in terms of blackfishing, Iggy Azalea, the Kardashians, Ariana Grande. And the thing about uh, blackfishing, uh, which uh, uh, you know, I want to talk about, is uh, it is about. Uh, it's not appropriation. Uh, it's kind of a step further, which is kind of you know trying to um, make out like y- you're black or be ambiguous enough so that it looks like you're black. Rita Ora is another one that's accused of uh, passing off like she's of mixed race heritage but she's actually Albanian uh, Kosovo Albanian um, okay so she gets accused of it um, but do you know what uh, to, so this conversation isn't about whether uh, Jesse is blackfishing or not um, what I will say is I watched the video and it was absolutely rubbish and so uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just really bad and just really like cheesy and naff but do you know I did a lot. I did. I did fairly a fair bit of sort of looking at this, and it's only uh, women that they talk about on the whole. So I couldn't find any articles about Eminem mm-hmm. or Justin Timberlake or Justin Bieber or Post Malone or the Beastie Boys or Joshy C. Joshy C. Circa two thousand and three. Joshy C. Circa two thousand and three. Bruno Mars. And I threw this one in for you because I know you're a fan of uh, them. Mike Shinoda of Link, Link, LinkedIn Park. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so why do you think that is? I think it's a very, very interesting question as to why um, why it doesn't happen with white men. I, I remember there used to be some stuff that was going on in um, with Eminem. 
I mean, there's a bit of it in the Eminem Eight Mile storyline, isn't there? Right, but yeah. actually, the whole storyline is that he overcomes that, and that it's almost like they were wrong for saying it to him. Um, so, I don't know. I don't. Which know. is Do semi biographical, right? And and um, but yeah, it, it's really it's really noticeable that all of the um, um, all of the uh, reporting is around women, and what I'm I'm not. D defending um, what they're doing in their videos or the way that they are um, making money. What I find is really interesting is that I would say about 95% of the articles that I, wrote, uh, I read were all around those sort of same females mm. and the way that those females appropriate um, or uh, blackfish. Um, but I just find it really, particularly someone like Post Malone, who's like, like you know, like... Uh, or Justin Bieber, who's really financially benefited from it. I find it like it's just, it's just, you know. It's okay, yeah. So the uh, worst. Yeah. And I think, look, when I was, I, I said Joshy C circa 2003, because I was being quite serious. Like we were like, we were all doing it when I was a teenager. Like we were all a group of white people and we were trying to be like Wiley and Dizzy Rascal. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you this, and I feel uncomfortable asking this, um, but I've, I'm asking you because I feel like I need it explaining, right? Genuinely. I think yep. you've just alluded to it when you talk about making money off of it, so that's one yep. thing. But that aside, yeah. Well, why is it a problem? So I thought this might come up, and it's, and it's good. Um, there's appreciation, cultural appreciation, and then there's appropriation, okay? Mm-hmm. And I looked a little bit and I, f I found something on so uh, something called greenheart.org. And it says, um, appreciation is when someone seeks to understand and learn about another culture in an effort to broaden their perspective and connect with others cross-culturally. Yep. Appropriation, on the other hand, is simply taking one aspect of a culture that is not your own and using it for your own personal interest. Okay. okay? So the, I think the difference between, say, you... Josh, so Josh us C. as lads doing it, we weren't really benefiting from it. Well, we you're were just appreci you're appreciating, and we yeah, were just trying to yeah you, mimic you our heroes. About yourself right? like you were like an artist, but you weren't really. So listen, mate, we were massive UK method in Swindon. Yeah, all right, residential in the bedroom. <laughs> you sound like David Brent. You know, you sound like like uh, chilled out entertainer. Is that what you? Okay, so 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 uh, no. But, but, so no. appreciate appreciation is, um, you know, doing the work. Um, seeking to understand appropriation is sort of just taking it without doing the work and uh, using it own, for your own personal interest. So why say, for example, um, the Kardashians have been accused of it is because they have been building out their profile. Um, and so when someone like Kim Kardashian puts cornrows in, that's appropriation without really, uh, you know, really um, talking about... Uh, you know the heritage also that it's it's not you know for their hairstyle and all those sorts of things um black fishing is kind of a step further which is where you um you try to come across through your appearance like you darken your skin tone through using kind of uh tanning and stuff like that and um and you just sort of take it to the next level um what was really interesting to me is I didn't I, I looked at the boys video and it felt quite similar to a little mix video. So what's interesting is that little mix 
haven't been, you know, historically accused of it. Jessie wasn't really pointed out. She doesn't feel that different to when she was um, in Little Mix. Um, yet now that, you know, now that she's sort of come out by herself, there's kind of a very, very focused sort of um, attention on, on her. Mm -hmm. To me, it didn't feel that different. So appreciation versus appropriation. And, you know, there's a lot, you know, Justin Timberlake, I think, has often been accused of it. Justin Bieber, where um, they appropriate for their game because what they're doing is they're, they're you know, they are, they're building their kind of persona based on... Was Elvis Presley... Could you not say it about Elvis Presley? Yeah, you could. But he's dead. All right. Yeah, but I'm. Yeah. But he was, I'm just saying. And the it, Beatles, he was massive. Yeah, you could say you could. You know, you could. Uh, you, you know, Rolling Stones. They appropriated songs, passed them off as their own. You know, from the you know American blues. Mm. Um, yeah, it goes back deep. Yeah, appropriation yeah. didn't just start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep. But you asked why don't you ask me why is it a, an issue? Let me ask you why it's not an issue. Um. Not that I say that you hold this belief, but just kind of uh, counter yeah, argument. I'll, I'll be like I'm, and and listen, we do this on this podcast because um, we have these kind of conversations, and I want to be really, really honest. Right? Whenever we talked about race in the past, I very quickly see why it's an issue. Um, I'm not saying I'm not seeing it as an issue today because um, I believe and trust you and the people that are telling me. I am still like I still need a bit more to understand uh exactly why it's a problem like when you say the corn rolls thing yeah like Leah sort of does this plat stuff with my hair sometimes uh and I think it looks quite cool and I give it a bash um is that doing it is that what do you mean plats well you know looks like corn rolls to my head yeah but I don't think it's cornrows because Cornrows takes a long time, and it take yeah, it does take her ages. <laughs> am, I being, am I being stupid here? But look, uh, but yeah, because uh, because because I don't. Uh, we do it like on holiday and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, and okay, so so when uh, Justin Timberlake, if he does his hair in cornrows, right? Um, or, or David Beckham, or David Beckham, or, yeah. or, or or even when the Kardashians use loads of tan to make the skin darker which by the way i think mo like a lot of white women do right um what where's the where is like i i appreciate the bit about benefiting from it so let me just let me just um let me just kind of go into what you just said which you said a lot of white women do yes a lot of women do tan i think um there's sort of an in uh, a perception that uh, appropriation takes it a step further and plays in the grey area, plays in the ambiguity. So doesn't doesn't directly say we're not of black heritage or of mixed heritage, but just kind of lets the assumption live so that they gain, so that they kind of can benefit from the culture by which they're absorbing, but they don't support it, promote it, or look uh, for the back uh, okay. the background. So for example. People that um, people that uh, uh, um, you know wear sort of Native American 
uh, headwear, right? Just kind of stick it on their head and walk down a catwalk or walk down King's Road in London or whatever. But actually, you know, they mean an incredible amount of um, history and heritage and pride to the tribes that they're taken from. But also, all the all the pain at having your fat like your yeah your family slaughtered your land taken away from you and it's almost like it whitewashes that the the importance of it and it makes it a fashion statement yeah yeah, so yeah that's yeah. why it's wrong so um that makes total sense to me that bit yeah so yeah. that bit makes total sense to me yeah. and i guess i understand that kind of moving into the gray area and being able to um uh still have your like privilege that comes with being a white person but then yeah. also benefiting be- benefiting off of the kind of all that other stuff in the gray area. So that, yeah, yeah that makes that makes sense to me. It reminds me of when because um, Adele got in hot water for it, didn't she? Well, yeah, exactly. She was in Jamaica last year f- during Notting Hill Carnival, and um, and uh, uh, yeah, she posted on Instagram and she had cornrows and she was wearing like a Jamaica bikini and they weren't cornrows, were they? Oh, I, I thought they were okay. But they were. No. I don't. I don't oh, remember oh, yeah, what they yeah, were called. Yeah, yeah. But they were because yeah. I actually because at the time when she did it, and there was quite an outpouring of annoyance about it. Right, I remember thinking, surely it's like not in Hill Carnival. She's just getting in the spirit and kind of enjoying it. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, 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 I didn't really see past that as an opinion and why it was a problem. Right. Yeah. Although, let me always caveat this by saying, when masses of people of colour say that it's offensive like I'm like okay I like I don't I'm white so I'm not I'm not going to go against it it as a white person there was also a lot of support for her as well that was quite a balanced one it was quite a balanced Um, one she's come out and apologised recently for it because she never took it down so she talked about why she didn't take it down she said she didn't take it down because I didn't want to look like it never happened but one of the things she said is I you know I was using a hairstyle that ruined my hair and that people of colour used to look after their hair right yeah. so she kind of saw how yeah uh it could be seen in that way but you're right i do remember there were people that come out um and so adele and i we grew up in the same area right we grew up in tottenham at West <laughs> basically. are you name dropping adele now what did you know her did you yeah we used to we used to kick about no but but um growing up in tottenham um you you just immersed in um in black culture, in um, yeah. Afro-Caribbean culture, African-Caribbean yeah, yeah. culture, and um, and like we just we just kind of grew up with it, and uh, so so Notting Hill Carnival would be a big thing. It would be you know, and amongst your friends, so I can understand why um, a lot of people um, felt like you know, and 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 that's what a lot of people said, but I do think that. Um, we were ignorant as well growing up. Like we didn't we didn't really think about this stuff. A bit like when you were saying you were fifteen and you you know you didn't think about it. But we we are more educated. The world has moved on. There are terms for this. There are acknowledgements. So I think you just particularly when you're in the public light, you've got to be more conscious of it. I don't think it was it came from a, a bad place, but it is subjective. Like it doesn't matter what I think really. You have got to think about the wider implications of that and kind it, of thing. I I do believe that. Yeah. And just uh, it's just funny because. Um, uh, there's a Google advert where a, a, a white guy, I don't know if you've seen this on TV, where a white guy is like, is going um, uh, to see some friends and, and there's a fist bump, does touch, and he says, Wagwan. Well, 
and then it says, oh, can I say Wagwan? And I, I was, I used to say that when I was growing up and I, and I say it to, you know, to, to, to my best mate. Um, but then when like my kids heard me say it, cause they'd seen the advert, they were like saying, oh dad, you, you can't say that. And so I think it's important to have the conversation, to, to acknowledge it and, and, and understand, is it okay to say it or not? Mm. I grew up saying that, so I'm not going to stop saying it. Um, but I do think it's it's good to kind of think about the origins of stuff and actually, does it belong in a in a place? Um, does, does that make context really important in that in that aspect? Because like when I was younger and I used to, because I would talk with an accent, right? I would like at the age of thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, I'd try and sound like um, Dizzy Rascal and all that, right? But it's because I loved them and I like wanted to be like them. So it's like if I'd have carried that on into my adulthood. Yeah. Would that have would that have fallen into this category? Would it have been a if UK method if UK method got as big as they should have, right? You sound like corrupt FM. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like if if we had got as big as we should have, yeah, and Joshy C became the phenomenon, would that have been a problem? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So is Eminem a problem? I love how you compare Joshy C to Eminem. We're very um, similar, very similar artistically, lyrically, ability-wise. Do you know? I think there's a there's a deeper conversation around Eminem because I I think um, it isn't just about um, it isn't just about white uh, and black. I think there's also the other intersectionalisms around poverty, around you know, around growing up in a trailer park, around not you know having abusive step parents mother who you know like um drug dependency all that sort of stuff so i think the hardships in his life were real he turned to music um hey listen i had hardships mate yeah what, yeah what's yeah, that got yeah, to yeah, do yeah. with the what's that got to do with this um i'm a i'm a bit sort of torn on that one i think the answer is yes in in the light what of yes the is a problem yeah right I see. I, I I'll be real. I'll be honest. I feel like I struggle with that, but, but I'm happy to hold my hands up and say I'm a white person, and I'm not going to stand here and say the people that are upset with it are wrong. I'm just saying this would like I would go with what they say because what? they're the people that experience the hardship or the problem. You know the problematic side of it. So I'm not here going. They're all wrong, and they should I, I just. I guess it's not let really it Eminem's problem, is what I would say. It's society's problem in how it deals with it. Because I think the thing is, it really isn't. Yeah, you know, I'm not. I don't think I even challenge the way that uh, Eminem expresses himself through his art, through his music. I think it's the problem is that Eminem is still a white guy, um, and that is that 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 whiteness gives him a privilege above all of his other contemporaries that he was rising up through. And you just can't ever not get away from that benefit or that privilege. No, I totally That's hear it. that. So I like, totally hear that. He won't have been stopped by the police the same number of times. He wouldn't have been, um, he wouldn't have suffered the same sort of prejudices as a lot of the other people that just held them down. I don't, I, th I don't think it's, uh, uh, a, a lack of coincidence that Eminem, Eminem 
rose up so significantly across the world because he was white, you know, mm. like if Eminem was a black guy, he's extremely talented, but like, would he have done yeah, something no. at that time? No, yeah, the, the, there was definite privilege there probably. It's the yeah. same with Alvis Presley, right? Yeah. Who I used as the kind of that, that example back then. The same is true then. Yeah. And I've seen um, people of colour can also, it also goes the other way as well, right? Am I right in thinking I'm, uh, that the likes of in the past, Beyonce has been sort of called out a little bit for trying to, I don't know what the term would be, but like be be white with like straight blonde well, hair and that sort of well, stuff. Well, I think there's sort of the, the within within race, there's this sort of discussion around colorism and uh, yeah. yeah, it's like, it doesn't just end, you know, at black and white or brown and white or, or brown and black or whatever. Like I think within, within um, individual races, there's this whole notion of colorism and the, you know, the, 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 oppression there and the lack of privilege there or the privilege of say lighter skinned straighter haired you know types yeah um so yeah no i think i think that is true but i don't really think that that's where we go here on this conversation because no of of, of course we don't know but i i am i am um very purposefully um sort of airing my naivety because i think that's the way that I will learn about this, right? Rather than yeah. thinking I can't ask that because that's going to make it look like I don't know or whatever. Yeah. I'd rather just hold my hands up and say, I don't know, let me learn. So let me... Yeah. And, it, and it, is, it is really uncomfortable when we're talking about something that doesn't... Um, it doesn't... Uh, we're not the oppressed in a situation, right? So we're, yeah. we're observers. But again, I just want to point out because I think we maybe lost sight of it in that, um, you know appropriation or blackfishing it isn't just something women do yet the media just seem to just go after women because it's just easier to do it again i was making a point last time it just you know it it gets ratings it gets clicks it gets uh readership and i think you got there needs to be more balance in the way that we're reporting it's not just women that are you know benefiting their own personal interest by this again i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying we shouldn't have to debate on whether they're doing it or not i'm just saying let's be balanced about it and say yeah. that men are doing it as much as women if not more well i mean look it, historically it looks like they're doing it way more by the way and actually on a I, way bigger level i think uh it is just like there are some white people that have been you know appreciate it probably starts from a place of appreciation it mm. probably is appreciation you know, currently, um, and they think actually, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong. I've grown up like this. But I think when you have influence, when you're making money, when there continues to be, uh, you know, an imbalance in society, mm. um, you got you have to do more. You have yeah. to do more to kind of raise awareness of it and be more um, sensitive to it. Okay, let 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 me ask you this question then quickly. If um, hypothetically because I know he listens now, but if Eminem was listening back then to 115 miles and it existed, right? Yeah. Uh, say in the height of his career when he was, uh, you know, at his biggest and all that. If he'd have heard this conversation, what does he do to stop it being appropriation? Is that the right word? Appropriation. Uh, I think you do more in the appreciation space. So you use your platform to drive change, awareness, 
Yeah, I'm not saying stop doing what you're doing because I said he's very talented and he made some great music. We both um, are fans. Um, but if, if at the height of your power, right, mm. pulling power, influence, you're not using that, then that's a miss. So and how would he use people, it? How Give me some some tangible examples of what he might have done. Uh, use the dollar, you know. So basically... Um, uh, look for boycotts, look, uh, uh, use to raise um, uh, awareness, get more representation, um, get, you know, use use the benefit, the lift up that society is giving you, use that to give others a, a lift up and raise the conversation. Do you think he'd done that a little bit with D12? Because he bought like a load of his black mates with him and his they were crew. all... 12 people. I'm not talking about 12 people. All right. I'm t- yeah, I'm not talking about his crew. I'm talking yeah. about, um, like, d- like he he was a global yeah. megastar. So yeah. he used that power. Yeah. Okay. Good. I mean, look, good conversation. Awkward, difficult, but that's, that's no. I d- why yeah. We need to do this. Look, and from a personal perspective, it was very awkward because I sort of um, uh, here's where I'm at with it. Right. I know that what you're saying is right because of the level in which it's said by the people that it impacts. Right, but I didn't want to just come on and be like, right, I need to jump on the right side of the conversation here. I wanted to do what we've talked about in the past, which is allow you know, what did you you said something really good in one of the very early podcasts? I remember it because it doesn't happen very often. Uh, but you said something about uh, it was nothing like this, it was said much better, but about how you're allowed to be naive, right? Uh, I don't think you used the word naive, but you know what I mean? You're allowed to be, you can use that as an excuse at the beginning, ignorant. Ignorant, yeah. Okay, you're allowed your ignorance, right? But you can't hold it for too long because then it's something that you're doing purposely. Then it's a decision. Then it's the yeah. decision, yeah. So I think I just thought, right, the best thing I can do in this conversation for what we try to do with this podcast was to bring my ignorance around it, right? Mm. Cool. So, <laughs> um, I love how you master you 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 were like little mix. I don't know. I don't know little mix, but. No, I know who Little Mix is. I just don't know who um, Jesse, I want to say Jesse Vargas, because that's a boxer. That's the only name I can think of. I don't know what, I can't remember what her name is. What's your favourite Little Mix song? Um, When I grow up, I want to be famous. I want to be a star. No, that's not them, is it? That's Pussycat Dolls. Yeah, yeah. It's not them. No, I don't know many Little Mix songs, mate. I'm sorry. That's interesting, because I know you like, I know you like pop music and you like boy bands but I yeah haven't really I, only boy bands mate. Don't, don't do girl bands girl mate boys group. only yeah very, you know uh i'm sexist when it comes to uh yeah it's obvious about that yeah, anyway moving on spice, spice girls were nothing on westlife all right cheers bite let's move on let's move on uh world mental health day was sunday Yes, it was. Yeah, it didn't feel like very big compared to previous years. I think I it's because it, I think it's because it was on a Sunday. Yeah, and uh, so people are not that sort of busy online with it. Uh, yeah. I do think there's probably something to do with the fact that um, people talk about it a lot more now. So the awareness day is of less significance to what it once was. Yeah, the theme. I think the theme for this year was mental health in an unequal world. Yeah. It, I, yeah, I didn't. You know, I didn't know that until I started seeing some posts late on in the day with it. Yeah. So well, yeah, which is which is really interesting that I think that there was a missed opportunity there to kind of raise the level of conversation. But also, 
I think um, I think it was a bit lazy, if I'm honest, because we knew it was going to be on a Sunday. Organisations knew it was going to be on a Sunday. And you saw a few posts coming up on Sunday mm. or Monday because they didn't do it Sunday. And I think it just, I don't feel like it was really prioritised, which I thought was really interesting. But let me just read some stats for you that I found out. Um, in the UK, black people are four times more likely to be detained under the Mental Health Act than white people. Wow. According, according to the NHS. One in eight LBGT people have experienced some form of unequal treatment from healthcare staff, says Stonewall. Wow. Yeah. Just going a bit more global in perspective now. Um, between 75 to 95% of people with mental disorders in low and middle income countries are unable to access, access mental health services at all. Right. Almost half of trans people have thought about taking their life. Mm. So I think when we see like people posting on uh, LinkedIn about mental health, I, I really don't think it talks about the imbalance and the unequal. No, it doesn't. It's a very overly privileged space, right? And and uh, do, do you know what I hate the most? One of the things I really, I hate is a strong word, really dislike is when you see people saying, uh, oh, fucking, I can't think of their sentence. Mental health has no, um, and say agenda. Come on, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it has no bias. Yeah, it, that's not the word they use either. But you know what I mean? Mental oh, health can happen yeah. to anyone, right? Yeah. Uh, it, and it's not true. Yeah. It can happen to anyone, but it mental health does not... Uh, <laughs> what's the word, Has Mental health does not... Um, uh, discriminate. Discriminate. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. <sighs> People say mental health does not discriminate. And it's. We, I think we've talked about it before on here, by the way. Yeah. Uh, it absolutely does. And I tell you what, we live in... I'm, on, I'm about to go on a rant, but the government love the term mental health does not discriminate because it removes all the societal factors that come into it. And it absolutely does discriminate. And when you'd often see on LinkedIn, by the way, uh, and to a degree, I could even be one of these, but I wouldn't say this sentence. Uh, you'll see a white middle-class man saying mental health does not discriminate. And it does, it does. Um, and actually what a lot of people are talking about is emotional struggle and they're calling it this kind of mental health problem. And that in yeah. itself is a problem. Can you give me the, the statistic that you just said about um, the disorders? 75%. 75 to 90, 95% of people with mental disorders in low and middle income countries unable to access mental health services at all. That you can't say that mental health doesn't discriminate, yeah. right? And by the way, their disorders that they've been diagnosed with probably look a lot less disordered when you look at the disordered environment that they all exist in as well, right? So it's not that people, white men of, uh, you know, middle class of privilege cannot struggle with their mental health. Of course they can. And there's some factors within their life that might even push it to happen even more, right? Mm. But we have to get real here. It absolutely does discriminate. And when we say that it doesn't, it removes... Um, it removes the need to look at the societal implications and the societal factors that affect this because they yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it, 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 I think you're right that it was a massively missed opportunity being that it was on a Sunday. Uh, and it's probably ironic actually that everyone was having the weekend off from their working life. So they didn't bother talking about it. Well, the Monday to Friday mob. 
Yeah, you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I do think that is it is such what we're seeing now, particularly with. I mean, um, we, we, you know, I didn't bring it up, but you know, just overnight, the the universal universal credit top up of twenty pound was just taken away. Yeah, that is going to have an incredible effect on people's mental health, particularly from um, the lowest income threshold. That yeah. makes a difference between feeding your kids or yourself or not especially when all the when all the bills are going up as well bills are going up cost of living is going up yeah um it's getting harder to get things in the in the supermarkets shopping so that's just going to drive price up even further so yeah it this was a really important moment and um and it was missed there's something else that's really interesting even when those people who are from um uh, you know, underprivileged, uh, you know, parts of society, mm. when they access the service they need, they're not met with somebody who truly understands what they're going through. Mm -hmm. So the overwhelming majority of kind of practitioners mm -hmm. don't look like me or don't necessarily come from a poor background. So that, so that resonance and relatability is... It's really difficult and so it's really hard once you kind of when you're sitting in front of say uh, a counsellor who's predominantly middle class and white you're not going to relate to that person no and let me and let me tell you something else as well by the way this goes a lot deeper when we talk about the societal factors and the implications of it when you look at the um, I think it's called the, the DS oh, the DSR which is basically I've said it wrong uh, but uh, it's the book yeah, the 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 uh, all of the psychiatrists and the doctors use to be able to diagnose you with a disorder, right? Now that book is pulled together by leading psychiatrists over the years. We're on a book about a five, I think, right? Uh, when you look at how they decide what depression is or they decide what an anxiety disorder is, right? I read a book on this and it was a guy who researched into it and exactly how it all sort of plays out and the reality of it all. Um, and when he asked the the guy who led the mission of putting the third book together, right, how did you come up with eight days or whatever it was for how long you have to feel low to have depression, right? And he said, well, we felt like nine was too much and seven was too little. And he said, no, but what what science did you use to come together to come together on and land on eight? And he said, we voted on it, right? So a lot of these disorders are predominantly middle class or a high class you know uh higher class people white men normally right sat around the table deciding what's going to get you labeled with a disorder okay right so hold that th hold that thought for a second so i i i, I want to just read something to you uh, within my experience counseling is predominantly white middle class people counselors are coming from a place of privilege and i feel there is so much more that needs to be done to have a diverse range of mental health pro uh, professionals so that people can access a service where they feel heard and understood rather than marginalized and discriminated against. So that's kind of, I can't remember um, the source of that, um, but I, saw, I found it this morning. But so, so uh, counseling, predominantly white middle-class people, place of privilege, kind of making the calls, not representing. So then when you put that against, black people are four times more likely to be detained under the Mental Health Act. Mm -hmm. That's a really scary, um, 
it's a really scary thing to look at when you've got people of privilege basically detaining and deciding at, four at, times more and deciding deciding at what point yeah. their behavior becomes disordered this is what i'm going yeah. back to right so it to diagnose you with being diabetic right you would go to the doctor you're not diabetic you will, you will if you don't go back on the bike right but 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 for you to be diagnosed as have diabetes you'd go to a doctor you would say here's my symptoms and they would say that sounds like diabetes let's do a blood test they would get a blood test and then they would confirm that you've got di diabetes that's science right clear that's the, mm -hmm. that's the crack mm -hmm. if you went to the doctor and said i'm feeling very anxious and i feel very low all the time the doctor would then go to this checklist that's done by this group of people that have sat around the table and voted right yeah and then he would say, how long have you felt down for? And you'd say, eight days, whatever, 10, 15 days. And then he would say, on a scale of one to 10, how low do you feel? And then you might do that. And then he'll go through the tick list. And if you tick enough boxes, well, then you've got depression and you'll get prescribed drugs, right? Likelihood is you'll get prescribed drugs. So so that's, that's not science, right? Mm. That's closer to religion, by the way. Hmm just a group of people coming up with a set of ideals and saying this is what they fall into parameters for. So then when you take what you've just said, um, one in, f what did you say? One in four? Four, four times more likely to be Four times more likely to, to be detained is because the act in which they're detained under, right? The act in which they're detained under is driven by people coming up with that decision and doesn't take into account the societal factors that they would have gone through, the historical traumas, for example, that they would have experienced being somebody of colour, right? So when you start to look at the way this is this all works, and by the way, a lot of these people that are involved in that book yeah, are, 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 are funded in some way by big pharmaceutical companies, right? You actually start to see where the problem lies then. And, and the, the inequality in it is not just about having the access to the services, it's the way in which you will be diagnosed as well. Perfect segue. And I'm just gonna do this in, in, in fairly quick, uh, in, in brevity mode. Um, Finland is voted the happiest country in the world by its <laughs> people for the fourth time in a row. Um, and it feels like, okay, I think, I'll caveat it with it's a very homogenous country. There isn't a lot of non-Finns that live in the country. So I think um, it'd be interesting to see, you know, as their demographic changes, what changes for them. But if we just take it to the macro level around policy, they have an incredible welfare state, right? They have universal rights based on citizenship. So if you're a Finn, you have rights Right, or if you if you live in the country and you have rights, um, their social benefits are incredible. Their education system is incredible, and they do that through high taxation, which isn't unlike a lot of um, Scandinavian Nordic countries. Equal opportunities for every child, right? That's around kind of, um, you know, how they support from cradle to grave, you know, and it's incredible. So, for example, their prime minister Sanna Marin, who's only thirty four years old. She had Good a age. Yeah. Oh, is, that, is that you? Are you 34? Yeah. Oh, you look older. Um, she uh, had a difficult start in life, but because of the system, like it, it, it took care of her and as an equal citizen, and she became prime minister at that, at that, at that mm -hmm. age of 34. So it just shows... Look, I understand that we have a lot of complexities in this country. It's an island. It's kind of... 
there's just this, you know, this this history. There's a lot of, of being addi- addicted to capitalism. A, a, Sorry. A, yeah. Addicted to capitalism and a dictatorship. Um, but uh, but I, th- I just think you know when you put your citizens at the center and your children at the center, you have happy lives. Happy lives lead to you know the virtuous circle, and um, it's just such a it's a stark contrast to the you know to what we were just talking about. And I just you know I don't think there's much to say other than you know that's what I aspire us to be, yeah. is to have more I wanna- connectivity. I want to say and ask a couple of things. Is that considered a capitalist society? Is that capitalism in Finland? Uh, I, I, I don't, I don't think you could compare it at the same level as, say, you know, here in New York. Okay, or, so yeah. so you've answered it's, my question. It's a, yeah, it's a, so, it's a it's a socially driven country, I would say. But but probably still operates under capitalism, right? Really, yeah, in, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, yeah. What the point I'm trying to make is that when you're, when I'm like severely against capitalist society and the way in which we live it, that doesn't mean that I'm against capitalism. What it means is, what I think is that we've just become so overly addicted and entrapped in this whole power-driven system, yeah, right, where we're like, um, to make an awful comparison. Finland have a really healthy relationship with alcohol. We're we're a load of drunks that have just completely lost the plot. I think that's a really relatable kind of yeah. uh, way to look at it. Um, and they really prioritise outdoor life and making time to be um, with nature. They put that into the schooling and, you know... Um, yeah, they don't rush the parents back to work either, yeah. do they? And I don't yeah, think they even exactly. start school till like seven exactly. or something. And... Um, We'll end on this note. Um, they, they, we'll they finish have... on this note. Finish. Ah. Oh, oh, you see, I wish I came up with that. Okay. Well done. Carry on. I'll give you props. Um, they have something called Sisu, which is, um, it doesn't have an, like a, a, an English translation, but it sort of means grit. And it's extraordinary determination in the face of extreme adversity and courage that is presented typically in situations where success is unlikely. So they live in darkness a lot of the year. They live in winter a lot of the year. Um, uh, They do have struggles with mental health as a result of it. But because they have this thing called Sisu, which is this internal drive, uh, you know, uh, around adversity, instead of like when the weather's really shitty, stay in, they actually go, they have to go for a walk every day. They Mm. have to get out. They have to use their Sisu. I thought that was really nice. I thought yeah, that you, love that, you being a resilience coach and um, it's a nice way to end. Like I think if we can just channel a bit of our Sisu every day, I think we might be able to kind of you know get through what I think is probably going to be a difficult 12 months ahead. I love that, mate. I absolutely love Sisu, mate. I absolutely love it. I've got nothing else to say. I'm finished. Oh, thanks for loving it. Um, <laughs> let's finish on that. Reasons to be cheerful, Josh. Over to you. I think oh, I know mate, be it's so easy, isn't it? It's so easy. Um, we're going on holiday next week, Hass. Uh, so just to let the listeners know, we're going to record the episode that we won't be able to record while I'm on holiday. We're going to record that this week. Uh, it will be a timeless episode, so it'll be slightly less topical. And I've got a really good idea on where I'm going to go with that. Uh, but we are booked to go back to where we got married six years ago, the Hilton Hotel in Jamaica. We have some pictures on the wall that the kids always look at and talk about the beach there and have always said that they want to go. We're going. 
Um, it was it, it's been moved a couple of times because of COVID. Um, it was booked uh, for next Wednesday, so it's booked for the twentieth, um, and up until the tenth uh, or just before, maybe the ninth. We weren't going because the uh, the advice was to not travel there for anything but essential travel. I went into Tui on Saturday morning, right? And I went in there and I said, listen, our holiday's not been cancelled yet and we're supposed to be going in 12 days. Uh, and I said, uh, but the advice is still not to travel. And the lady said, look, I'll tell you very straight. I, I, I don't think that will go ahead. She said, I'm being honest with you. The, the, the advice hasn't changed. You've only got 12 days. She said... I'd very much imagine that a call is imminent on this, right? Um, and it will be cancelled. She said, but as it stands, yes, of course, they haven't cancelled it, so you're still going. I went to uh, another shop to get some boots, some football boots, because I needed studded boots. And when I walked out of that I, shop... I love the detail you're giving us in this story. So it's incredible. Thanks, Carry mate. On. I appreciate it. Um, and so then when I left, I got an email through saying... Uh, the advice had changed in Jamaica and the holiday was on. So I ran back into it and told him. Uh, so yeah, as long as me and my wife can stay COVID free until Wednesday next week, we are going to Jamaica, back to where we got married. Um, I'm surprised you didn't put like like cellophane around you when you were doing this and just walking in, in a bubble. Uh, I feel a little bit like I want to do that, um, if I'm honest with you. Uh, so yeah, I have actually pulled out of a couple of things, a couple of big events. Yeah. That I was meant to be going to because uh, because of my paranoia is there. So yeah, of course, naturally now I feel like I've got a bad chest, a bad throat, and a snotty nose. Right, I will be like that for the whole week because that's uh, the power of the placebo or nocebo, as we as I might call it, has that we'll maybe talk about one day. That's my reasons to be cheerful. This time next week, I will be going to actually I got work in the morning, but then in the evening I'll be going. Stop looking at the clock, mate. I'll drag this out longer. All right, I'll drag this out longer. I'm excited and I'm happy. You knew this was coming. You should have planned for it. Um, so yeah, uh, Jamaica. I'm, go I'm going next week and I can't wait. Are you excited about it, Josh? It didn't sound like that. <laughs> I am very, very excited about it. Mate, Do you know, also, mate. also because we thought we might not be going, we booked centre parks for Christmas, uh, like the 20th to the 23rd. Oh, look uh, at that. As You're well. So, so now we're doing both. So... Uh, what a year! Thank you. What a finish! Thank you. I've been waiting for. I've been waiting for that. Too late to use the finish joke, mate. Uh, about yeah, it's done. I've, I've, I've overkilled it, uh, mate. That's brilliant. I know how 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 much you have been looking forward to it, and you were. You know, it didn't look like it was going to happen. So uh, appreciate all the detail that you gave us around your, <laughs> <laughs> your day to day routine. Um, now it's brilliant. Mine is really simply. Um, uh, that we're sort of entering a new phase with uh, Mavericks and the business. We have been working with a brilliant um, uh, agency called Canoe, um, who do some incredible work, some wonderful brands. They've been helping us um, develop our sort of advertising campaign for our digital product. Uh, we're really proud of it. And that starts uh, like next week. And uh, so I feel like that's kind of entering a new phase um, for us in terms of where we're going. Uh, and this is something I've been thinking about, as you know, for for quite a while. So it just it, it's it's really um, exciting for me to kind of see ideas, discussions manifest and turn to something, and that will that will start showing up on people's um, feeds soon, and that's going to be a really proud moment. And uh, wow! So yeah, that's what I'm feeling really good about. It's becoming very real. Yeah, 
Yeah, exciting. Very exciting times, man. Very yeah. exciting times. Well, I think that was a good conversation. Difficult in parts and definitely uncomfortable, but I think really important. And, you know, it would be wrong not to go into this stuff um, because it makes us uncomfortable, right? Yeah, it's what we do. It's what we do. Cool, mate. Thanks, See you on Friday. See you on Friday. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Khan.